Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, a kid-lit podcast for parents, teachers, and writers, and anyone who loves children's books. I'm Heather Kaufman-Peters. I'm the mother of one teenage boy. I'm a preschool teacher and a writer. And I'm Margie Ozimet. I'm mom to two boys, a middle school teacher, a former homeschooler, and a writer. Yeah. I know I get to change mine. Welcome <laughs> to Two Lit Mamas, episode 51, the episode in which we attempt to savor the last moments of summer. Hold on tight. Hold on, the last moments. But as I am like going out of my homeschooling ways for a little bit, you are also no longer a mother of a teenage boy. You're a mother of a college student. I know. We got That's some big crazy. transitions this I year. Know. This is our last bastion right now. It is. Can you believe summer's <sighs> almost done? It went so fast. It went too fast. I know. I'm kind of sad about it. And we were barely home. And then when we did come home, we all had COVID. And then we were only home. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Two so, extremes. Two extremes. Right. We didn't. Yeah. We were gone for like a month. And then we came home and couldn't leave the house. But anyway, um, enough about me. Let's talk about this empty nesting. What's happening? You're almost there. I need I'm to know. There. You're almost there. And I want to know blow by blow. What is it like? Because um, my children are fighting constantly. <laughs> uh, we've entered that phase of, do you remember nine? Do you know how much nine sucked? Mm-hmm. Like there's certain years that are just horrendous. And mine literally just turned nine, not even a few weeks ago. And he's an ass. And I remember when the other one was nine and I just remember like nine was terrible. Three was terrible. Two wasn't so bad. Three was horrendous. I was just going to say three. I was just going to say three also because everyone thinks it's a terrible twos, but no, it's definitely three. Three Three was was bad. bad. Nine, not a fan. Yeah. And I thought maybe it was just the, maybe the first one was, nope, nope. It's all nine-year-old boys. And then maybe it's, it's 13. With girls, it's 13 after 13 that. 13 is bad. Yes. Yeah. 13. And then it's, I don't know. And then it kind of like eases up the next year, but we got nine and nine is in effect and it is driving me bonkers already. So in order to uh, beat my pain of nine, tell me what it's like to be an empty nester. I'll dream about it. Well, I mean, it's kind of a roller coaster, right? At first, right? Because you're you're kind of like partially excited about being an empty nester, and then then that makes you sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's um. But Do you have is- a lot of time. I feel like yes. I just have so much time when I'm an empty nester. Well, and so my son is actually out of town this week for he's doing a little vacation. He's with doing a friends. warm up, isn't he? Yes, he is. <laughs> And then he comes back and he only has two days before he has to leave. So um, I feel like, yeah, I mean, I can already tell our relationship is shifting to more of like where he can take care of himself. And I'm just like a support person if he needs something, but also like somebody to have fun with more now. Oh, nice. Okay. I like that. Like we went um, shopping for his last, you know, list of things for college dorm room stuff. And he, it was really fun. We had a good time and I let him make like most of the choices. Like I didn't, I wasn't like, you're going to need this or, you, you know, I was like, what do you think? Do you want this? Do you not want this? And it was really fun. It was kind of nice. And I felt like much less worried about him after that. I feel like that's a really good thing to share because I think that in the greater scope of things, people that are either young moms or people that don't have only boys kind of feel like that boy moms get the shaft, that boy moms don't have the same like friend connection when the kids get older. And I have found that, you know, I feel like people always think, oh, don't you wish you had a, how many people have said that to us? Don't you wish you had a daughter? Oh, you're going to be lonely when they're older. But I totally disagree because I, I, 
I love hanging out with my older one and I are kind of in that zone too. Like Mm -hmm. he's going to be a freshman. We watch a lot of the same things. We can have like really interesting conversations. Mm -hmm. Now you can have a really good rapport as a mom, as a boy mom with your son. The older they get, the conversations are so fascinating. Yes. Yeah. You know what it is? It's you get into the male perspective of thinking without all of the stupidity that you, that you're dealt with when you met your husband at first. Because, you know, you're like, oh, this is how the male mind thinks, which you Mm -hmm. never really caught that before because you were trying to marry this person. God, what were we thinking? Why? But (laughs) (laughs) no, just kidding. You know what I mean? Like this is a, oh, it's a really good eye into like how boys think. It is. And our boys are also very, um, are they intellectual nerdy boys too? I think that's part of it. Our boys are really into like like your son's so into history. My son's really into history. He's yes. really into world politics yes. and things like that. Huge. So there's, and we, you and I both are into those same things too. So I yeah. think we have that common ground that. Well, and my son over the summer has just been so fascinating because he went from being like really into education and um, like not day like pedagogy. Yeah. But like also just like philosophy. Yeah. More. Like, and, um, and you sent him all those great books and he read them all and we talked about it and it was really fun to talk about that kind of stuff and to think about, be more cerebral about it. Like, yeah. what do you think the future, you know, is going to be better for learning and how kids learn and stuff like that, which is really fascinating. And then he really got into, he's kind of been into, uh, ec- economics for a while now. And he like started studying at different economists and like their theories. There was a really famous uh, economist who was sort of a contemporary of Abraham Lincoln. And he's been reading all about him and just really getting into like all these different theories and philosophies. But he's, it's always, it's all really part of a wider thing for him where he always is kind of thinking about how um, civilization could be improved. How society functions. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so it's just like all part of that whole overarching thing. But so the fact that he thinks about this stuff and cares about it just like makes me, my heart happy, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously that's a lot to take on for an 18 year old, but just to even be thinking about it and like what could make the world a better place and stuff like that, I think is pretty interesting and so cool. So anyway. but Now, I don't know about you, but I was definitely under the impression as uh, as a boy mom, a mom of only boys, that like the minute that they turned into teenagers, I would never see him. He would just grunt. Oh, right. And yeah. he would be lo- like holed up in his room and had nothing to say to me ever again, because that's literally the message that you get from most people. That's what people, you know. And I remember my brothers were more like that. Like my my brothers, because I only had brothers and I remember them being very surly and just gone. They were just absent, you know, they didn't have part of our life anymore. Now I realize that they were just jerks. And um, (laughs) maybe it was not so much the gender as the parenting. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Or the personality. I'm not really sure. I mean, I definitely think my son can disappear for days, but he also can be like, come out of nowhere and want to have like a two hour long conversation about something. So it is sort of on his terms more now, which is fine because what do I have going on? I can listen to him when he's ready to talk. You know, you just have to be ready to listen when they're ready to talk because they're not always ready to talk. But yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's, it's, I've been pleasantly surprised by being the mother of a teenage boy. I just feel like it's, it's not nearly as bad as everyone made it sound like because well, I mean, they're boys, still beautiful little people. They are. And boys love their moms. 
They always, always do love, love their moms. moms. They don't always love their dads as much right now, which is okay. Hey, you you get them later. You, you talk to them about other things, but it's uh, okay. I'm I'm all, I am so fine with having a mama's boy. Yes, two of them. I am too. Two very very mama's boys. Anyway, well, that's awesome. Yeah. Right now I've just been dealing with the whole um, him going off to college by focusing on like the minutia of stuff like, okay, he needs fingernail clippers and stuff like that. Yeah. All the stuff he comes to your room to get at the middle of the night. Yeah. Making lists make me happy. So I've just been doing a lot of that and feeling that gives me a little bit of a sense of control over stuff. And, um, but yeah, but I'm, I'm look. I mean, I'm so excited for him. I, this was one of my favorite parts of my life was going off to college and the excitement yeah, of it. And it is exciting. People you meet and everything you learn. And so I'm I'm excited for him. And it's exciting for you too, because you finally kind of get your life back, you know? I do feel like slowly, like my brain that's been completely preoccupied with worrying about him for 18 years is starting to open back up. <laughs> so it's been kind of nice too. Yes. We'll see what I do with that extra brain space. I know, right? Hopefully something good, but who knows? <laughs> see what's ahead. Oh, it's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. Well, we're just counting down. We have like three weeks for one kid and four weeks for the other kid until we're back to school. So, and the little one is super excited to go back to a private school, a kind of alternative funky hippie school this year. The big one is excited to play varsity soccer. Fun. Um, and I... Um, I'm just excited to be alone for the first time since COVID. I can't even imagine. I know, right? You've always had a little sidekick. I know. And my husband's like, oh, I'll start working from home. I'm like, oh, no, you won't, girl. No, you won't. (laughs) This is mama's world. You get out. Nuh uh. Not at least least until like October or something, right? Call me in October, maybe, but (laughs) no, no. Go away, everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Go hands away. off, hands right? off for a while. Yep. <laughs> oh, so I'm just not, I'm not sure. Like I'm excited that summer is coming to an end, but at the same time, like we were at the beach today and the sun beats down and you know, like you uh, like uh, you dip your toes in the ocean mm-hmm. and you swim around for a little bit. And you're like, Oh yeah, I could use another month. Another month of just you know, being outside and having just fun. a slow pace. I love the slow pace of summer. Yes. Well, you, you don't feel guilty having cocktails every night because it's summer. All right. Well, so should we give people some books to read if they're limping through these last yeah. few weeks? I think some Trying of people, some people have started. Some of us are still waiting a while. So e- either way, we got you covered. Yeah, we got We're holding on to a little bit of the last of the summer fun. Yep. Let's get started. So for this episode, we're going to look at camp or a time when kids are in charge in the aspect of summer fun. So with that, I ask you, did you go to camp? Oh, yeah, I did. Sure. Did you? Did you go to sleepover camp? Yes, I did. Uh, Pretty much every summer. For the whole summer? No, just for like a week, maybe. I don't think it was ever. Did you go to Jesus camp? Yeah. Of course you did. You were a good, you were a good religious family in the Midwest. Of course you did. Yeah. you had. To I did to not go to Jesus camp. camp. They don't send Catholics to camp because they know the bad things are going to happen. If you send Catholic girls to camp, they're like, oh, hell no, we do not send Catholic children to sleep away camp. My favorite thing about camp though, and, and this actually happened in my book quite a bit too, and it just made me nostalgic was uh, sneaking out in the middle of the night. We used to sneak out all the time. It was so much fun. Oh my God. I would have been scared to sneak out. It was dark. 
He's in the no. woods. What if Sasquatch is out Whatever. there? Whatever. You're a farm kid. I was a farm kid. It didn't really phase me to be outside. I'm still scared night. of the dark. <laughs> still scared of the dark. I'm 50 years old. I'm still scared of the dark. Are you joking? <laughs> oh my God. No way. My husband, speaking of the dark, something's been pooping on <laughs> our driveway every night. And he has been obsessed for the past week. With Every day there's a turd on our driveway. <laughs> now we live in the woods for God's sake. Right. God knows what it could, it could be Sasquatch. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's a fox. Um, who knows? Rag, it's probably a raccoon or something. Well, he Googled yeah. it the other day and he was sure it was a hedgehog. And I was like, and the kids mm. start, my kids mock their father constantly. <laughs> They're like, what, Baba Sonic ran through on his way? <laughs> like, a hedgehog? Girl, seriously? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. So funny. Stay away from Google. And who Googles turds? <laughs> Who's like, hmm, turds found on my driveway? I Google it. It'd be even funnier if it was a nugget running out there every night. To Putting a tootsie roll. <laughs> he's like, Baba. <laughs> poor man. That poor man's going to be dead before he's 60 because his children and his wife taunt him. But <laughs> uh, the things that happen in the darkness. Oh, well, your book was about camp. My book was yes. about kids taking over the world. But your book was about camp. I went to camp, but I... um went to camp like once. And then I was a camp counselor for a while, which oh. I like, that you know, I have, I have control issues. So, um, but I also was not like, I wasn't a big fan of going for more than like three or four days at a time. So tell us about what book did you read and how did it fall into the whole camp thing? All right. Well, I read Vanishing Act by Laura Martin, and that book just came out this year, 2022. And it is the second in her Camp Outlier series. Uh, the first book is called Float, and that came out actually quite a while ago. A now. long time ago. Yeah. Yes. When I was still in Indiana, that came out. Yeah. Yeah. So that had been out for a while. And that is um, from Emerson's point of view. All the kids in these books or a series have special abilities that they call risk factors. It's sort of like a genetic mutation. Or yeah, something, mutation. Yeah. yeah. Like superhero kind of things. So they have these risk factors. So when they're out in normal schools or, you know, living at home, they sort of have stand out, right? Like they mm -hmm. have like these unusual abilities that most kids don't have. But then in the summer, they get to go to this camp where they're surrounded by other kids who have different abilities and then they feel like they fit in. So that, um, so the first book was about Emerson who could float, which has mm -hmm. the name of the book and actually, uh, Laura Martin, who is a fellow Hoosier. She lives in your hood. Yeah, she does. Yeah, she yeah. lives pretty close to me. And uh, she she said that she when she started writing this, the first book, she because there are a bunch of different boys that are all friends in the book that are in the same cabin, right? And so she had originally had envisioned writing, you know, a book for each kid from each point of view, oh, and okay. a different story. Um, and so the first book was Emerson's story about floating. The second book, Vanishing Act, which I read, is about Hank and his, and it's his story this time. And Hank is a kid who turns invisible, but he doesn't have much control over it. So sometimes just parts of him are invisible. And at the beginning of Vanishing Act, he has been fully invisible for a while. And he... Ha and it's been really kind of hard on him because he hasn't been able to become visible again for a while. <laughs> so, and it's kind of a fun story because Hank loves to be the center of attention. And he's a very sort of gregarious, funny kid who quotes Shakespeare and is like over the top around all the girls and stuff. And so 
it's an interesting dynamic where he has been invisible for so long and he's sort of struggling with that. And then also there's a new kid at camp this year who the girls call handsome Hudson. So you can imagine that kid gets a lot of attention. I love that. They're all boys. I love this. I love this. Yeah. So it's a whole group group of boys. Um, there's Murphy who can time travel. There's Zeke who has x-ray vision, Gary, who has sticky hands and he sticks to things. I love Um, that. Okay. There's there's Emerson who floats and then Hudson who can levitate stuff. And that's the, he's also very handsome. And then there's Anthony who sets things on fire. Okay. That might not be the best one, but I know. Right. Um, and then also there are like some girls in the story that, cause they have to team up with a girl's cabin for all the camp activities. Uh-huh. It's kind of cool because he sort of has, uh, becomes friends with a new girl at camp and her name is Amy. She says she's blind as a bat, so she can't see with her eyes. So she can actually see Hank when he's invisible because of her echolocation or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. So she knows she can see him. Um, which is kind of uh, funny too, because sometimes when he doesn't want to be seen at all, he takes all of his clothes off, right? And so then it dawns on him partway through this book Oops. that, oh, she can see him. So it's kind of funny. Um, but anyway, they all get together at Camp Outlier and craziness ensues. Um, they find out that camp is under threat because the government is getting involved and they don't, they're trying to show that it's not really safe for these kids to all get together. And so the kids are worried that the camp is going to get shut down. So that's sort of part of the drama that happens. Isn't that always what it is? It's always like Big Brother bringing us down. Right. (laughs) The man. Um, Yeah. I have to say, it did take me about 10 chapters to kind of get into the story. And I'll tell you why, because it reads completely like realistic fiction, even though the kids are, even though it's kind of like fantasy sci-fi, it really is more like realistic fiction because these kids aren't really like superheroes or anything like that. They're just like normal kids that have these crazy abilities. But did you read the first one? I didn't read the first one. And I think had I read the first one, obviously I would know who the kids are better. So, but but I do think it was kind of hard to get into the characters because they all had like these normal names. And so it was hard to remember like who did what for it took me a while to start where it sunk in for me and I I think the author did a good job of kind of trying to remind you wherever she could you know what their abilities were and there's so many of them there's seven kid boys to keep track of which see mine was like that too it's almost too much it was too many characters right that's what I kind of felt like okay it was sort of slow moving at the beginning and then there were a lot of characters to keep track of that was my only like downside to it and also you know how I feel about realistic fiction, yeah. which I don't want to like, you know, minimize it because of that, because that's not fair. But I think any kid who really likes realistic fiction would love this story, even though it's kind of got that fantasy element to it, because really this story is, is so much about camp, like, and it's a right, really recognizable camp experiences that any kid would have, you know, they go canoeing and they have like capture the flag games they have a whole Uh the whole time they're there they're doing these different competitions for points you know like ropes courses and all all the kind of stuff that's very recognizable about camp and they they have midnight meetings the camp stuff is very very fun and very like like I said, very felt very realistic fictions. You know, the storyline for that was great. It sounds like when you're telling me about this, I automatically think of like um, Percy Jackson, like when they when Percy Jackson goes to the camp for all the other kids that are like half goddess, half like, is it 
like, but that always reads really older. I always felt like Percy Jackson always read older. Do you think like a younger kid is going to like, yeah, this one did not read older at all. I don't think it did since, you know, Hank is kind of naked or half naked a lot. Had a lot like butt jokes and so like, like butt just jokes funny. are always big for me. Right? I like and that. Like yeah, and like there were always there was like a sense of very middle school sense of humor in the in the story. The stuff they were dealing with wasn't really like heavy or anything too complicated or okay. And like I said, it really just felt like had these kids not had the, these abilities it would have just been like a fun camp story. So the the abilities just kind of add in little like complications here and there or, and add a little bit. And of course they add to the story too, but I felt like it really just felt like a bunch of kids going to camp. You know what? Honestly, when I was listening to this story or I, I read part of it and listened to part of it, I, I felt like a really great metaphor for other abled kids. Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 That makes a lot of sense. Like how they all look forward to being around other kids who are other abled. Like when my kid goes to deaf camp. Yeah. Like, like, oh, here's everybody's kit here. This is awesome. Yes, okay. Exactly. Okay. That's what it, it felt more like that than like a superhero camp or even like Percy Jackson, like you're talking about. Okay. Now that's good. I'm glad you said that because now, honestly, that makes me more interested. And I was thinking about it the whole time. I'm like, wow, this would really speak to kids who, who are other abled for sure. It would speak to their heart, you know, because it, it's all about getting together around other kids who are like you and have challenges like you. And And so it was really interesting. And the other thing too, is none of the kids can control their abilities. So they were really like struggling with them and, you know, jealous of other kids abilities and kind of digging into what it is that you don't like about it. And so it was really quite the metaphor for, I think, kids who are other abled, I think would really get into the story. I love any kind of story that shows a kid how to look at their challenges as a plus. So I think that's really fantastic because, you know, we, we that's a constant struggle for us. Right. And you kind of had that in your story, right? Where it was taking obstacles and turning them into positives. Yeah. yeah. Like the whole concept of the problem children is that they take a problem and make it a solution, Ooh, that's like cool. a positive spin on a problem. I like that too. So would you say this yours is more like younger or middle, upper, upper or lower Middle grade. I would say it's just, yeah, straight up like fifth, sixth, seventh grade. My Mine is a middle grade book, but my main characters say they're 12, but there's also, you know, toddlers and seven-year-olds and the whole family, you know, like we run the gamut. No, I would definitely say like fifth or sixth graders would really like it. And especially if they're realistic kids who you're trying to encourage, you know, to read other genres, realistic fiction kids, um, this is sort of straddles it so well. And it definitely, to me, read more like realistic fiction than fantasy. Would you, if since you didn't do it, this is, I'm just playing devil's advocate. If I was going to start reading these with my little guy, would you say to read Float first? Yeah, I think I would. Yeah. I mean, you definitely don't have to. Like there there was nothing that I didn't understand, you know, because I didn't read Float. But I think it would probably help you to know the characters better. Awesome. All right. And that was again. That is Vanishing Act by Laura Martin. And it's the sequel to Float. Awesome. Well, mine was not a camp story, but mine was um, a children unattended story, which is very much <laughs> like camp, isn't yeah. it? 
Isn't that kind of the same yes. thing? I love children unattended stories when you're they're like, wait, wait, no, my parents, like in this case, the parents were working for the Queen of Andorra. And I was like, I love the fact that like no one's like, oh, let's call CPS. <laughs> <laughs> so I read uh, The Problem Children, the first book in the series by Natalie Lloyd. And this is the first book. It came out in 2018. There's one in 2019 and one in 2020. So there's three books total. And I think that if you've got one, you want to get all three. Okay. Because these would be super fun read aloud books. They definitely skew younger. I would say like the the third, fourth, fifth grade side of things. You could get a sixth grader might be into it, but definitely I would say fourth and fifth graders would devour it because it seems to really speak to that. It's whimsical. It's a very Ooh, whimsical story. That sound it's got more a lot like of my speed. I think we should switch. It books. does. It's very you. <laughs> it's very you. Um, it's got a lot going on. And it's really fun, but everything is seems high stakes, but it's not high stakes. Like that kind of book there. You're like, like we've read some where you, it's so high stakes that you have to like, like the last one, the line tender. I'm like, I'm going to need to put this down and step away for a little while because it's too mm-hmm. much. Definitely not the case with this one. So the first book in the series is the one that I'm going to talk about. And that's the problem children just called the problem children, P-R-O-B-L-I-M. Like that's their last name. The second one is called carnival catastrophe. The problem children's carnival catastrophe. And the second one is the problem children children and the island in the stars. That's the book number three. So if you have a kid, and it's so funny because I just went in my homeschool groups, I just suggested these. If you have a kid that was into a series of unfortunate events, then you need to read these. If you have a kid that liked a mysterious Benedict society, then you need to read these because they very much fall into that sort of magical, mystical sort of whimsical is like the best word I can come up with way to kind of to to describe these books. They fall into that sort of land of make-believe, but yet still very grounded in a, in a, in a fun reality. So the problem children, as I mentioned, their parents work for the queen of Andorra and they dig up artifacts and they solve mysteries and things like that for the queen of Andorra. So they have left their seven (laughs) children and a pig Ichabod, my favorite (laughs) character, Ichabod. And the children each were born on a different day of the week. So Mona was born on Monday and Toot was born on Tuesday and Wendell was born on Wednesday and Thea was born on Thursday, even though Thursday, Wendell and Thea are twins. They were born on two different days and Frida was born on Friday and she thinks that she's a, a fox and Sal was born on Saturday and like Mona's very dark and Toot is the baby and Toot speaks in farts, which I think is probably absolutely brilliant. So like if for example, Toot often gives the number 47, which is the Paul Revere, which is a warning fart. And um, it smells like like certain things. So it, they always, whatever Toot's got something to contribute, he'll let a fart. And then that fart will have a, a, a footnote that explains what that fart was. So that's, of course, you had me at the Toots. <laughs> I'm just saying. And then there's Sunday. Sunday is the oldest. Um, and Sunday is the sort of like the, the mother hen. Um, Mona is the psycho. She's like psychotic and Wendell and Thea are pretty much our main characters. So each child was born on a different day of the week and they are all living out in the woods with Ichabod the pig in the swamp and Sunday's supposed to be in charge of them. And they are all just having a wonderful time. They make inventions. They live the life that, you know, and then, oh, whoops, they blow up. They blow up the shack in the swamp. Oh my gosh. So now they're homeless and their parents are in Adora and they have to find some place to live. And it suddenly occurs to one of them that their grandfather problem had a really big mansion in town. 
And if he just goes to Lost Cove where the mansion is, they'll just live in his house and that's they'll leave a note for their parents. <laughs> so when their parents come back to the swamp, hey, mom, dad, I hope things are great in Andorra. You can find us at grandpa's house because he's dead now. So they could just live there. So this is how things start. And I was like, a little bit hard to follow at first because there's so many characters. There's so many kids, but it was also super fun. I mean, they're just, they're a hot mess. Like each kid does like Wendell's really into problem solving and he's very deep and he always, he's an inventor and Mona's into murder and torturing people <laughs> and things like that. And like Frida walks on her hands because she thinks she's a fox and she only speaks in rhyme. And wow. so they all have That's these like interesting fun. parts to yeah. them. It's super fun. Yeah. So they, they decide to go to town. They arrive in Lost Cove just as their grandfather's abandoned mansion is being auctioned off. And the evil uh, Desdemona opinion, opinion is the uh, opinion is their last name. Desdemona is about to purchase their grandfather's home because she wants to know what's inside and nobody's been inside the problem mansion for many years. And the kids arrive just as the right before the gavel strikes. And they're like, oh, wait, you can't sell it. This is our grandfather's house and we're here to claim it, which is all well and good. But the kids have no paperwork. Shocking. (laughs) When you come from the swamp, you don't have the deed. So they have the deed. They did find the deed in the swamp, but they don't have any proof that they are actually problems because they're all children. They're all under 18. They don't have any ability to say, hey, this is who we are. So the mayor says, and Desdemona, of course, is like, well, you, it doesn't matter. They're illegal. You have to give me the house. And the mayor's like, hold on. I'll give them three weeks to come up with proof that they're problem children. If they are problem children, which they are, then they can have the house until their parents arrive. They either have to produce their parents or proof in the next three weeks. So that's how we get started. Desdemona says that if they don't, if they do not find proof, then in three weeks, she is bringing in the Bureau of uh, for the removal of unwanted children. And um, they will put each problem on one continent. There's seven children, seven continents, and then she will have the house and the house will be hers. So that's where we are at the beginning. That's literally where we are within like two chapters. Wow. <laughs> All of this has happened. That's why I love fantasy stories. <laughs> it's so fun, out. right? So the kids have to figure out how they're going to find this proof. And while they're looking for proof and coming up empty-handed, Sunday is sending... <laughs> I can't even say it. First, she was sending like messages via carrier pigeon. Then she goes for carrier cat. (laughs) And she sends 13 cats out with little cat backpacks to send them to Andorra to get messages to their parents. (laughs) Because why, you ask, does she have to send little cats with backpacks? Because Andorra is, as a country, is taking a technology break. So they've shut down the internet (laughs) for the summer. I love it. So this is why I love this story, because there's always like, there's always an excuse There's always like a justification for all the ridiculousness, which I am so here for. (laughs) So while they're working on, well, Sunday, the oldest is trying to get in touch with the parents and the other kids are kind of looking around and Toots just busy farting (laughs) and running off with the pig. Wendell and Thea decide that they're going to like woo the town and they're going to woo the town by throwing this elaborate birthday party where they turn the steps that like the inside hallway steps into a water slide and they're going to make smash cakes for everyone because that's a great tradition. And they invite all the kids in the neighborhood and all their parents. And within minutes, of course, the party happens. And they thought no one would come because the party didn't start till midnight. (laughs) But instead, everyone comes, even Desdemona, who was not invited because she's nasty. (laughs) But um, she came anyway. And everyone 
fell in love with the problem children. So all the mothers of the neighborhood who were scared to let their kids, because they also have um, uh, large smells that come from them because they don't bathe. So they're a little smelly. So um, a lot of people didn't want their kids to play with the problem children because they're a problem. But after the smash cakes and the water slides and all of this thing, now everyone loves them, right? On top of all this, we're trying to figure out why Desdemona wants the house. And that's when the rumors in town start to run rampant that there was actually a bitter feud between the opinions and the problem oh, that goes see way how back. we're going here yep. okay so desdemona's father mr opinion and the grandfather problem had a large feud and supposedly he's hidden something a kind of treasure but even desdemona doesn't know what the treasure is he has hidden the treasure inside the mansion and the mansion is filled with magic and that's why desdemona wants to get it because he's trying to avenge her father for having his treasure stolen by the opinions or by the, excuse me, by the problems. It's hard to keep your problems and opinions straight. Uh, <laughs> so that's basically what's happening in the story. The kids are trying to keep her out and Desdemona is trying to get the house. And it's a battle between the two of them. And Desdemona has an, a niece that is allergic to air that lives in her, what do they call it? Like a turret? kind of thing and she actually violet decides that she likes the problems and so some within the walls of desdemona's house because desdemona of course lives next door um her, her own niece is plotting against her with the problem children there's fabulous characters in this book but then one thing about thea thea is the, the sort of our main action action pursuer through the book and she's scared of everything and she's allergic to gravity because she's scared of heights. So she always says she's allergic to gravity. And she has this idol that she loves. And they're following clues that grandpa said. And this takes her to this to find her idol and meet her idol. And her idol's name is the best name I've ever come through in a character. And her name is Midge Lodestar. And Midge Lodestar is a radio personality who gives the uh, advice over the airwaves. I love she, but it. then we soon learn that when she meets Midge Lodestar, because like Midge has got great advice, like every day is a good day for a taco. And is she wrong? No, no she's, she's not, not wrong. wrong. But then we soon learn that Thea's got a bad um, connection in the swamp and she wasn't actually hearing what Midge Lodestar was saying. She's only so all of her life advice that she had been using for Midge Lodestar was only like part, part of, of the message. So like words were dropped out of it. Words, oh yeah, more gosh. major important parts were missing. Hilarious. So she's like focused her whole life around what Midge Lodestar told her to do. And then lo and behold, she was only getting part of the frequency, <laughs> not really getting what Midge said, which is kind of a really fun little side story that went with it, which I loved. So the characters are so fun. You know, it did take me a little bit to get into it, but it, I think it was more because I was going from a drag queen murder mystery into like a children's book. So I think that's why I struggled a little bit. It is, it was hard at first to keep the the character straight. I think that if I were going to suggest this, I would say, this is a great book to read aloud in a classroom. It's so visual. Like you can get such great imagery from it as you're reading it. It's a great read aloud for uh, at home, but I would do all three books. I would do the first one and then Keep I would going. read the other two because you don't feel you, it has a resolution. You're definitely resolved. Big things happen in Andorra and you find things out. So you're satiated, but yet you still like the story's not done. Right. It's very much like the mysterious Benedict. It's very much like, you know, Lemony Snicket books. There's more. You want more because they're really fun and you like the characters and you like the storytelling. And it's got a very um, childlike sensibility to it. That's so fun. So that was The Problem Children, the book one, The Problem Children by Natalie Lloyd. And it was super fun. I like it. Now you're sad that you gave me that book. I am. You? I'm thinking, man, 
because you would have liked uh, Vanishing Act a lot because it's more realistic fiction and it's all boys. And yeah, you know, I love the boys. I, this is a good mix, though. The children and and of course, toots too. You know, I have the, the farting, the farting <laughs> toddler, true. which that is kind of your style. <laughs> it's kind of brilliant. It's kind of my jam. So. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. So yours is probably you thought third, fourth graders would like more and definitely. Yeah, it's a little bit younger. I mean, I could read it to an older class of kids and they would enjoy it. But I think that like a third, fourth, maybe even a fifth grader, they really enjoy it because it's just that kind of book. In Vanishing Act 2, I, for- I forgot to mention that there are letters home from camp kind of spaced throughout. They're all from the girls, which, you know, and we always like letters in books for middle grade because then you can use that in the classroom to introduce uh-huh. letter writing and short story forms and stuff like that, which is cool. Because I thought it would be really fun to have kids write a letter home from camp, you know, and see what kind of creative. Yeah. Things they could come yeah. up with that happened at the camp that they're at. I thought that would be really fun, like creative writing exercise. Yeah. And you could build like the worlds that there's so many maps, there's treasure maps and there's clues and there's limericks. There's all these rhyming. There's a lot you could do with this book as well. If you used it in the classroom, it has a lot of possibilities. So it's good. Times. All right. So what was your book again? The Problem Children by Natalie Lloyd. And mine was The Vanishing Act by Laura Martin. So now we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with this week's pick six. For this week's pick six, we're going to go bask in the last lights of summer with some high quality recaps from our summer. I'm making Heather do this because I started up a couple of my online classes that I'm teaching and I did this with the kids and we had a ball. So that's what I'm saying. So I gave them these choices and that's all they could say about their summer. So here we go. Three questions. What's the best thing you ate this summer? What's the best thing you read this summer? And what's the best thing you watched this summer? Okay. So first off, what's the best thing you ate? The best thing I ate is raspberry sour cream pie. Oh, yeah. (laughs) From the Norsky Nook in Wisconsin. And then we made a strawberry sour cream pie that was also equally delicious. So, and that was in Wisconsin that I did that. And that was just one of my, the highlights of my summer. Well, that's perfect. I don't like sour cream pies, but I've never had one, but I do love raspberries. So I would give it a oh, chance. Oh, it was so good. And there was something just so nostalgic because I'd kind of forgotten about sour cream pies completely out of my memory. And when I was eating it, I was like, oh yeah. Like, you know how when you'd go to different things in the Midwest, there'd always be the table of homemade baked stuff that was for sale for a fundraiser for something. Yes. Those pies would be there or they would be like at a, you know, church pitching or something like that. Just very, right. And it's the one thing that your dad would eat yeah. that you would be like, Ooh, right. It's very Midwest. And it's, they were yeah. so good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Sour cream pie. Well, mine actually is going to sound a little, a little bougie and I don't mean it to sound bougie, but this, I cannot stop thinking about okay. this. So we were in Turkey for a couple of weeks to visit oh, the you family. Were? I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> So on our last night there, it also happened to be my youngest birthday. So my sister-in-law and I were talking and we decided to go out to where we were vacationing in is um, a a resort area where sort of like the wealthy of Istanbul vacation, wealthy Turks, not, not many foreigners. 
it was also where we lived when we lived there. So one of the little villages, you know, she and I were talking with, and she said, there's a place in this village. And I said, oh, I love this little village. It's where we used to go buy fish, blah, 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 blah. So should we go to this place and following her, she's got her three dogs and my niece and, you know, grandma's in the car. And then my family's in our car and we're following her. And I'm like, where are we going? Because I've been to this village a thousand times and I've never, like, I have no idea where she's taking us. We pull up to this shack in a little cove. And I'm like, oh my God. Okay. Well, and my sister loves bougie. So I was like, what is happening here? We look to the side of the shack and on the beach are all these like lights made out of gourds made into lights, white lights. And it's like sunset and um, we're in the beach. So we're literally, our tables are all set on the beach at the edge of the water. So they're pulling the fish right (gasps) out of the water. And we had this leverick fish for dinner and Pashla Amana that was beyond anything I have ever had. And I mean, I lived there for three years and we did not eat nothing but fish. (laughs) And this was unbelievable. And it was cool and it was beautiful. And we had like nice wine and the whole family, my husband, his sister, his niece, his mother, my kids, we were all, you know, like their tiny little family. We're all there having a wonderful dinner right on the water with these little twinkle lights above our head in the middle of Turkey and this fish that you go in and you pick your fish that they had pulled out before you got there. And you like my husband picked out the fish and I I mean, it was unbelievable. And I'm going to have some next year when I go back because I can't. It was was so good. It was the best fish I ever had in my life and definitely my best food of the summer. And I had a lot of good food (laughs) because that's what my girls do. All right. So the next one is what was the best thing you watched? Okay. Well, I had a tie, but I see you have one of my tie things. So I'll start with the other one then. I love Miss Marvel. It's a TV series on Disney+. Plus. I think when I was first watching it, I texted you and was like, you have to watch this. Yeah. Okay. So Miss Marvel is, first of all, it's the first Muslim comic book character and superhero. Mm -hmm. And it's about Kamala Khan. And she is a girl who's obsessed with superheroes, especially Captain Marvel. And she creates a costume for like a Gen Con kind of gathering that she wants to go to. And she uses her dead grandmother's bracelets that are hidden away in the attic. And she gets them out to add to this amazing costume that she's created because she wants to enter the costume contest and she thinks she's going to win, right? And so unknown to her, though... The bracelets actually turn her into a superhero. Craziness ensues at the gathering that she goes to because she turns into the superhero while it's happening. And that's Miss Marvel. It's on Disney+. Plus. It is so cool to watch. It's very like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like this sort of visual, amazing visual thing that's like perfect for modern kids because there's like all this stuff happening on the screen while you're watching the show. Like uh-huh. little cartoon thingies and words are popping up and it's just so fascinating to watch anyway just without the story and then the story is so fun and the the actress who plays Kamala Khan is just hilarious and really fascinating and she has a really interesting relationship with her family it's really great I highly recommend it and that's of course on Disney plus so it was very kid-friendly now 
I want to talk about this next one that you're okay. What was your okay? Mine, I think everyone should be talking yes. about this. And I think slowly but surely everyone is talking about this. If you were like everyone else in the world, and even in Turkey, my niece was the same way. We all sat down and we all watched season four of Stranger Things, and then we were like, wah, wah, what do we do now? Because that was really good, but um, then I decided I'm like, my son and I were like, well, let's just watch paper girls. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's something yeah. close. Paper girls is on Amazon prime and it just came out and it starts in 1988, but it doesn't stay there long. And it is based on the comic book paper girls. And it is absolutely the most brilliant thing I've ever watched. And it blows stranger things out of the water, out yes. of the water. It is beyond brilliant. The characters, it's four young girls who are paper girls in 1988. And on a wacko morning, they sort of get stuck it's in hell this day. time it's war. It's hell day after the hell day, day after Halloween. Yeah. Oh, is hell, that what hell day Yeah, because it's supposed to be like, because everything's, because back in the 80s, kids got up to no good on Halloween. And so, yeah. and so the day after was called, they were calling it hell day because that was when, and so they had to deliver papers that morning because like teenagers would still be out destroying things and being crazy. And so, yeah, trying to deliver the paper on hell day was like bad. And they end up getting sent through time and they're time travelers in the middle of a time war that they did not expect to be in. And they stop off and sometimes they meet their older self that has to help them or doesn't help them. Um, whatever the case may be. And sometimes like when they meet their older self, they're incredibly disappointed. Yes. <laughs> or sometimes they're like shocked and amazed um, or they get revelations and confirmations on things that they thought might be true about themselves. Um, it is so good. And I have been reading about it now that I'm done. I have to, I've been reading articles about it and stuff and the entire writing team, the entire directorial team, all women produced written, directed, created all by women. And it is so clear. It is brilliant. Uh It is so good. It is so interesting. And I have to say, I think that the reason I did like it better than Stranger Things is that Stranger Things is sort of that like, it's a little more horror Mm -hmm. and this is a little more sci-fi. Yeah, it's definitely more um, sci-fi. It doesn't have that, like that's like a little sci-fi horror mix, but more horror than sci-fi. And this is definitely straight up sci-fi. Yeah. It's so good. And now Johnny, special guest star, Uncle Johnny, said that because he and I were talking about it yesterday and he said that I have to go read the comic books because if I loved this that much, I would absolutely love That's what love I the was books, thinking, so. too. I definitely want to check out the comic books, too, because it it's I feel like it was almost written for women who grew up in the 80s in a way because it's like teaching us lessons that we weren't learning back then that we needed to learn and because it sort of has like this somewhat modern tone about everything yes but yet they capture so much about the 80s i think they did a better job than stranger things even which stranger things is just sort of 80s-esque but and the sci-fi component of it is just like out of nowhere like i i love the story just on its own with these girls trying to deliver papers and then the sci-fi element comes out of nowhere and you're like what is happening this is amazing and it's so good The music and the costumes and the everything about it is just, we started in 88, we go to 2019, we go back to 99, and you see the girls in these really influential times, important times of their yes. lives. And you're like, oh, I remember being like 20 and being like that. I remember like raving in 1999. I definitely was in that mm-hmm. world. So it was fabulous. It it's was. so great. If you it, it, go watch it. 
and girl power because Paper Girls is amazing. Uh, well, did amazing. you did you have your oldest watch it? That's what I was wondering. Yeah, that's he and okay. I've been watching okay. it. He thought it was a little boring in some parts, but I'm like, that's because you're a boy, so go away. I was just curious, like if he would like it or if it's more for. I don't. I was trying to figure out who it's. For. I think it's a little slow moving for him. He's not a sci-fi fan. Uh, he'll he likes a little Doctor Who and stuff, yeah. but he's not a huge sci-fi oh, okay. fan. Okay, so. okay. So you definitely have to be a sci-fi fan for sure. Yeah, but you can fall in love with the girls without you know really before you even know it's sci-fi. So, but my husband's not a sci-fi fan, and he's watched parts of it with me, and he's like, "This looks really good. I feel like I should watch the it whole is thing." So good, so good. And you know, we usually only watch like Love After Lockup and 90 Day Fiance together. So he's really merging out to go to that deep. <laughs> <laughs> Naked and afraid. We watched that one together. Keep it classy. We keep it classy. All, all right. right. And what's the best thing you read this summer? Okay. I was looking at all the books that I've read. And honestly, I've read more middle grade than anything this summer. So I, I still have my grown up book. I haven't quite got through. So I went a little bit different route to share that the, the most exciting thing I read this summer was the Indiana Author Awards shortlist for 2022 <laughs> because it was <laughs> full of names that we recognized and I was quite excited about this. So on the list, just like even scrolling through, there is one of our professors that we had when we, you and I were getting our, Wait, who our was MFAs it? at um, Butler University, and that is Susan Neville. She's on the list. And then, you know, you, you scroll on down to the children's books, and it's just like a whole huge list of people that we adore. Uh, and P.S., give my pig boy a shout I know, out. I was going to say, I was getting there. Okay, so... There's uh, John David Anderson. We read his fairy book. You read that yeah, one, yeah, like early one. on. Um, he's on the list. Uh, Laura Martin, who we just read, Vanishing Act. Her, she's on the list for Glitch. Lisa Phipps is on the list for of Starfish. Course, yeah, Starfish. Um, and then uh, Rob Harrell's on the list for When Pigs Fly. We love that. My guy, my boy Rob. I love that book so much. Give me a new one, Rob. I, I think he. I think there is a new one. I meant to tell you that. I think there is a new one out right now. So we'll have to get that for you. Those are freaking hilarious. Those books are hilarious. And then also our girl, Rebecca Mullen is on the list for One Tomato. Her little board book, One Tomato. It's so cute. That's awesome. I'm so proud of her. That's good. Good job, Rebecca. I was quite excited about that list. I thought when I I just, I got an email and I was like, oh, cool. The short list for 2022 is out. And I was looking, I'm like, whoa, I know a lot of people on this list. I know, right? I was shocked too. All right. So what what about you? What was your best rate? Okay. So, um, you know, I'm a Cape Codder. I love my Cape Cod. Um, I like to go, I spend a lot of time on the Cape. So a couple of years ago, I found this, this series of books by John Loomis. John Loomis lives in Wisconsin now, but he used to live out in P-Town in Provincetown. There's a series of three books and I have read one every summer for the last summer. So I just read the, I'm just finishing up the last one. The first one is called mating season. The second one is called fire season. And then the last one is called high season. And I'm in high season. I actually read them in reverse order because high season, I just figured out was the first oh. one because, you know, like I was like, oh, wait a minute. They're not married. They're married now. Okay. Wait, but high season by John Loomis. It's from, I think it's like from 2010 or something like that. It got a lot of press out here at the time. They're just really fun. He's a detective, Frank Coffin, they're Frank Coffin murder mysteries. He's a, but they're kind of a little grittier. They all take place in P-Town and they're definitely somebody who knows the Cape backwards and forwards. If you live somewhere where you somebody sets a book, you want to make sure that they don't screw it up. You know, like, yeah, 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 you're right. You got that right. That's right. You want the you want the facts to be right. So this one starts off with the murder of 
a man dressed in drag who happens to be a minister and he's also an anti-gay minister. Oh, wow. And they find him dead in a sand dune. And, and then we have to find out who killed. And, and um, we learn all about how he comes to the to P-Town because he loves to do drag and uh, live, a, live a life that he can't live in the South Bible Belt where he's from. So that's High Season by John Loomis. And I really enjoyed it. Like, again, it's one of three, Mating Season, Fire Season, and High Season. And they're a little bit older. They're about 10 years old. But if you want a good taste of P-Town, woo, if you want an accurate taste of, 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 of the Cape and of P-Town, they're really fabulous. Really fabulous. Definitely written by someone who's been there and spent a lot of time there. So that's what the best thing I've read this summer. I've been on a huge David Sedaris kick. And um, on the airplane ride home, I was reading The Best of Me. The His essay, Me Talk Pretty One Day, about being in French class with other adult language learners. I literally can't stop laughing because he's talking about like being an adult language learner and trying to function in your second language and how you just sound like an idiot all the time. Like you, instead of you want it, you know what you want to say. And you're like, no, me talk pretty someday. Me talk pretty. And I pretty much did that the whole time we were turkey. <laughs> so I, cause that's, you know, I tell my kids, I'm always like, um, I sound like the crazy foreigner. Don't learn your Turkish from your mother, <laughs> learn your Turkish from your father, speak your father's Turkish, not your mother's Turkish. My husband swears it's not the case, but I feel like I sound like the Chinese food delivery guy from a 1980s movie or something like, <laughs> I am here. I come now. Let us go. Like, I just, <laughs> yeah. You don't want to sound like your mother. You want to sound like your father. However, you also don't want to sound like you don't want your father's English. You want your That's mother's true. English. There you go. The other day, my poor husband, God bless him. I mean, when we come back, it's really hard. Or if he spends a weekend like this weekend, it was too hot to go outside or do anything. So he spent like, six hours watching Turkish football, right? With the kids one day and then by himself the second day. And then he can't remember how to speak English. <laughs> and the youngest one was like, he stomps. He's in this phase because he's nine and he does all these horrible things now. And he stomps everywhere. And our house is, it makes everything sound so loud. And the kid weighs 65 pounds. Why does it sound like a herd of elephants? So he was telling him, but he was like, elephants in the house. And then the house come down and all the house falling down. Why are you doing this? And I was like, you, you could just say step softly. And he's like, why do you not do what I say? And I'm like, because no one understands what you're saying. <laughs> I was like, what are you trying? Elephant come down the house. The house is falling down. Why do you do this? I like, just say walk softly. Just two words. And the kids look at me. They're like, what is he trying to say? <laughs> I don't know either. God bless him. Oh, poor thing. But anyway, never a dull moment. So those are my books. Those are my foods. Those are my go watch paper girls. Um, enjoy the last few bits of summer. Yeah, right. Well, I guess that wraps up our pick six. So what's on deck for our next episode, Marty? All right. I hope you're all ready for this because this has been a long time coming. This has been exactly 51 episodes incoming. <laughs> we have made it 51 episodes before we broke it out and we did it <laughs> because we are the biggest biggest fangirls for MPH yes. in the world. Yeah, you know it, Margaret Peterson Haddix. She's the or original Franzia, yes. Franzia yes, fandom. All right, she's number one. And finally, after 51 episodes, we are reading a Margaret Peterson Haddix book, The School for Whatnots, and I'm dying inside. And I'm getting out my Franzia, and I'm coming to Ohio, <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to Margaret about it because I can't even wait. Like the day that Margaret Peterson Haddix commented back 
on one of my Instagram <laughs> posts when I made a reference to one of her books when we were at, visiting a um, like a, what do you call it? like a historical village and I made a reference and I tagged her and I was like hey MPH this is like one of your books I thought I died and gone to heaven <laughs> I thought I was like oh my god she knows I'm alive <laughs> we're Instagram friends now in my mind forever and now we're going to read her latest I release school for whatnots yep. So that's what's next. I'm sorry. I think I'm probably a little too excited about no, that. No, I'm quite it's been, excited. It's been a long time coming. So that'll get us back into back to school mode, right? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> that's the only bad thing about that. MPH for BTS. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool like that. Good job. Yeah. Good job. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode of Tulip Mama's podcast. If you like what you've heard, leave us a review and share us. We'll love you forever. Unless the review is bad, then I won't love you. But that's all right. We'll put you on like, oh, maybe like the like the cheaper wine. I was going to say, what's we'll the opposite of the Franzia list? It would be the Boone Strawberry Hill the list. Boone Strawberry. <laughs> Strawberry Farm. Was that it? Boone's Hill? <laughs> Boone Stra- Boone's Farm? Strawberry Hill. That's what it was. We'll put you on the Boone's Screw Top wine list. That's it. <laughs> Instead of the box, it's Screw Top. <laughs> Instead of the box, you're going to Screw Top wine. <laughs> If you want to join us twice a month for KidLit discussions, please subscribe to the Tulip Mamas podcast through any of the places you get your podcasts. And if you want to find out what's happening in our world, you can follow us on Tulip Mamas podcast on Instagram or Tulip Mamas on Facebook and on our website, www.twolipmamas.com. Thanks for Have a wonderful last few days of summer. Hold on to summer as long as you can. Wasn't that a Rod Stewart song? (laughs) (laughs) Have a great one. Bye. Bye.